Today, I interview Robin Baldwin, Senior Integrated Marketing Manager for Kobo.com, and she's talking to us about her tips on launching an integrated marketing campaign in your organization. Andiamo! You're listening to the Brand Boost Podcast, an exclusive look at who's doing business right. He's your favorite brand correspondent with more tweets than the Bible's got Psalms. Here's your host, Vincenzo Landino. Hi, Robin. How are you today? I'm spectacular. How are you? Not too bad. It's a little chilly here. Uh, I, I know. Well, you're in Toronto and I'm in. I'm on the East Coast of the United States and it was like 20 degrees last night. <laughs> I left my windows open in my office <laughs> and it's freezing in here right now. Yeah. And in Celsius, it's down to freezing. So winter is upon us. Uh, as the Game of Thrones would say, winter is coming, right? <laughs> so I'm so happy to have you on today and we're going to talk a little bit about Kobo and just your role with them. I know you are the senior integrated marketing manager. You've had a lot of success there. Most people don't even know what Kobo is though. And I'll be honest with my listeners. I had a hard time even you know realizing what it was. I, I knew a little bit about it, but tell us what, what is Kobo? Mm-hmm. Kobo is a global e-reading service. We've built it Um, It's all built by book lovers for book lovers. We have a catalog of over 4.7 million e-books. So we're an e-reading company. Um, And then we both have free e-reading apps for Android and iPhone and your desktop computer. But we also have a lineup of e-readers to suit anybody's taste. So uh, we're just a company that wants people to read. And I know you told me earlier that the mission for Kobo is really to just get people to read more often. Mm-hmm. the way they want to on whatever device they choose to. Yeah, right? we use two hashtags in social media that really encompass it all. So we have a read more hashtag and a read anywhere hashtag. I like that. Read more and read anywhere. I, you know, and, and what fascinated me the most is that you're an e-reading company. So without naming names, there's a lot of competition in this space, right? There is. Well, not only do we have a competitor that is another has digital books, but we also um, compete with freestanding bookstores and print books. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of different competitors in the marketplace. I, 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 it's absolutely fascinating. And sometimes I think to myself, what, when did we stop reading uh, tra- like traditional methods like in books? Um, I love reading on an e-reader and um, I think it's I think it's definitely the way anybody should read at this point because I don't have space. I don't know about you, but I don't have space for hundreds of books. Right. And (laughs) when I was first starting to work and still, uh, I worked in advertising for about nine years and I took the subway to the office. And so trying to fit large hardcover books in your purse is just detrimental to your shoulders. (laughs) So one of, you know, one of the best ways for us to talk to people about integrating digital reading into their lifestyle is the fact that you can carry a massive library of books and it doesn't hurt your shoulders in your purse or even guys, we had, um, we know we no longer have this e-reader, but we had a Kobo Mini uh, that could slip into a pocket. So we've just been trying to innovate in so many different ways to just make it easier to read. I, you know, a Kobo Mini would be perfect for a guy because I don't like to carry things in my pockets, and when I do, it just it's got to be it's got to fit in one pocket, or else I will carry a bag of some sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's really cool about the Mini. So you guys don't have the Mini anymore. No, but uh, what we did launch this year has been awesome. We launched the Kobo Glow HD, and we actually asked print readers 
to try it for seven days straight to see if they could incorporate it into their life. And we got lots of comments where it was so exciting because they could throw it in their car and um, they can sync their e-reader to an app. So some people were even syncing their books to their uh, iPhone app and reading it while picking up the kids from soccer or in line at the bank because they could get, you know, a couple pages in from a chapter. Uh, so it's been exciting to see how print traditionalists are actually embracing it. So uh, that brings up a question that maybe you can answer for. I'm sure you could. What is the biggest challenge getting traditional readers? Because that's your target, really, for book lovers, people that really like to read or love to read. How do you get them to go from traditional hardcover paperback books over to an e-reading service? Um, and again, especially with the competition, uh, you know, how, and you being the integrated marketing uh, the senior integrated marketing manager, how are you or what are you doing to get people to really understand um, Kobo and, and the services mm-hmm. and, and especially the book lover? I mean, that's that's really the most important aspect of your ser- of the service is that it's for book lovers. Mm-hmm. Well, we're still a relatively new company. We mm-hmm. like to think of ourselves as entrepreneurial. So we've only been around for a few years. And when we started, we partnered with freestanding bookstores. So that was very important for us um, to get that relationship in. And it's been one of the reasons for our success in many marketplaces. So in Canada, we partnered with Indigo Chapters. And in France, we're partners with FNAC. And in Italy, we're partners with Mondadori and Fetronelli. So these are massive bookstores um, that have allowed us to be their partners as their digital Um, kind of library and so that was the way that we first got into book lovers hearts is by just partnering with companies that they already knew and loved so uh, if they wanted a print book they can still go in and buy it but if they wanted that option of digital reading we were available to them so we were just providing them with a new option in their life to show them how reading um, can still be there we were talking about when uh, like you said when do people actually stop reading And from a personal standpoint, which I believe is quite a lot of people, is um, from a millennial standpoint, uh, you you read so much in high school, in university. And you're forced to. Yeah, you're forced to. So there's almost like a, I can't read anymore. Like it's such a (laughs) chore that you give it up for a while and then you get into the work world um, or you become an entrepreneur and you're so busy educating yourself that it's still slightly a chore. And then you realize, wait a second, I need something in my life. Um, and it, for me, I'm still educating myself with books, but I also needed a bit of an escape. So, uh, I try to switch it up and I'll read like a, a chick fit, a chiclet book, and then I'll read, uh, you know, a drama or a thriller fiction. And then I'll go back to my nonfiction business books and self-development books. Uh, but for me, I had to learn how to make it a joy again. So it took me a couple of years as like a break from school and then I embraced it. And that's probably indicative of where um, digital e-reading, especially our consumer base is, we don't have a young consumer base. So it's definitely people that are embracing it later in life and miss it and need that escapism or education back in their life. It's for me, reading was like, like you said, it was, it was a chore. It was a task that you had to complete back in school. Now I find that, uh, as much as I do read these, you know, these books, like one of my favorite books is Start With Why by Simon Sinek uh, or Jab, 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 Right Hook by Gary Vaynerchuk. But I love reading 
fiction because it helps me escape reality of the day-to-day and I can get lost in some other world. So my favorite book that I recently read was The Martian. I don't know if you read The Martian. Yes, it's now based. I haven't read it yet, but everyone's talking about it because everyone wants to go see it on film now. Okay, so if you're going to see it on film, see it on film first. That's my tip. I read it and then I went to go see it and I was underwhelmed. The book was fantastic. And always much better. So see, you have the same mentality as me. I see the movie, yes. then I read the book, and I'm always awed by the book. So I let that be the last thing. You see, for me, I love detail. And the book gives you so much detail that when I saw it in theaters, I was like, where's the, where's, where's this and where's that? And I, I found myself asking more questions than the movie was ever going to answer. So that's, yeah. my, that's my little tip for The Martian if you choose to go see it awesome. uh, as we digress. but Yeah, and we do that for our customers. So we utilize social to let people know um, when books are associated with movies. Mm-hmm. We use our emails as well. So see it before you, or read it before you see it type stuff. Um, so that that's a way that we cater to our consumers. That's really cool. Uh, so I, let, let's talk a little bit about some of the uh, some of the things that you guys are working on. And I, from what I understand and based on some of our conversations ahead of time, can you tell me about the Super Points Rewards Program, which is essentially a loyalty program, but can you tell us a little bit about how uh, you know you helped implement that and, and how that's working for Kobo? Mm-hmm. So you talked about and you asked me, how do you kind of you know stand out in the marketplace with all of the different competitors? Yeah. And we wanted to launch a loyalty program so that we could do that. And we're able to say that we're the first global ebook store that is actually offering this type of rewards program. So it's a loyalty program just obviously designed to celebrate the love of reading. Um, and it's super easy. You earn points for every ebook and e-magazine that you purchase online or with our reading apps. Um, so you just earn points for buying books. Like it's simple. And you can redeem them against a catalog of over 1 million titles across a variety of genres. And then we also have a VIP membership, which allows... Um, people to, once you upgrade to VIP, you earn double the points. You can get 10% off the, the select list of 100 million titles anytime. And when you upgrade to VIP as well, there's a free ebook every year. So things like that, we just wanted to make sure we had a point of difference in the market before actually launching it. And then as an integrated marketing manager, I had to make sure all of our cylinders were firing at the same time. So when you have an entrepreneurial company, sometimes processes aren't put in place from the start. So integrated marketing as kind of uh, a marketing function within our company didn't exist until January of this year. So I've had the pleasure of actually kind of creating a company process where I make jokes, um, things like I herd cats for a living or I'm a (laughs) sandbox mediator. But it's true. We have such amazing... um, you know, different departments that have worked so well within themselves, but now we need to work together to, you know, be bigger than we um, have been in the past. So I work with our email marketing team, our social and PR team who handles our, um, our social media. I work with our merchandisers who talk to our publishers and our vendor managers who negotiate contracts. And we work on, um, you know, a monthly basis. We plan about two months out because it is a retail business. And we decide um, what content promotions we're going to put out in the marketplace, 
What device promotions happen? Are we going to promote apps next month? So we talk about all our priorities and then we ensure that they're scheduled properly in all of our uh, owned, earned, shared, and then paid assets. So that's been really exciting. And when we launched Kobo Superpoints, we needed to make sure um, that that happened as well. So we've been hard at work and just launched it this month. That's great. Okay, that's really, that's, I mean, you're really in there in the trenches dealing with every aspect. So it's not just, uh, I know a lot of, I get a lot of questions. Well, social social can do its own thing. And, and I love the question when the people ask, well, why do I need to do any other kind of marketing? I can just let social live on its own without anything else. And, you know, <laughs> just from listening to you in that brief little, that brief uh, couple sentences there, you need to, uh, you need, you really need to integrate uh, your own, your shared, your paid uh, medias because let's face it, they they have to they all have to jive, right? Okay. And um, so I want to hear wh- what tips you have for any company or any brand looking to um, launch an integrated marketing campaign, whether they have one already or for those that already have an integrated marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. how can they do it better? So if you can give me your top tips, five tips or so, that would be great. Mm-hmm. So I think I mentioned it, uh, but you definitely have to have a point of difference because mm-hmm. you need to be able to call that out in your copy. So whether it's in you know a standalone email announcing the program or we have marketing assets called email features and those live in our weekly emails. So we have an email go, that goes out every week announcing personal recommendations for a consumer uh, based on what they're buying or looking at. We have emails that go out um, of new releases, like what books are out this week. And so we have email features within there. So we need to make sure that the copy in there repeats over and over again. So not that we're trying to be repetitive, but that you continually hear what that point of difference is. No, for sure. It has to, I mean, it has to match everywhere though. And that oh. was, that was the point I was, uh, trying to make with you know social can't stand on its own because really you need it to to match everywhere else that you're promoting yourself so Mm. um and and obviously the sharepoints the loyalty program is an amazing point of difference Mm -hmm. um so you know kudos to you for launching that though that that is all that's amazing yeah it um so then that would be my second tip is um, it takes a large army to get these things done, and none of us can actually function individually to be successful. So, um, although I said herd cats as like a joke <laughs> in terms of how I, you know, what my actual my job is, is but ensuring all our department schedules align. So, you know, um, being part of a weekly status meeting where we discuss dates in terms of even development. So. Um, the platform for development took quite a while with our UX designers and our architects. And then uh, quality analysis has to happen. So we need to make sure that we're not buying media or writing a social, social schedule ahead of the timing of when the program can actually go live right. um, and being very nimble. So once we ensure all departments align, then we can actually um, change uh, quite easily instead of um, things falling off the rails. So we actually, um, probably about a month ago, had some changes to the program that we needed to make, and we had to push out our media buy, um, as well as our social launch schedule and emails and everything. But we were able to do it because all of our department schedules um, aligned properly. 
So that would be tip kind of two and three Mm -hmm. um, together is making sure that there's constant communication within an organization, no matter how uh, big or small you are. And I know people hate status meetings, but they're just so useful and keeping them to 20 to 30 minutes is the way to keep people engaged. Quick, quick little digression here. What Mm -hmm. are you using to communicate internally? What are you guys using anything new? Are you, is email still king? You know what? Email's king when a large update needs to happen and everyone needs to have the next steps. But we actually implemented an amazing platform this year that has been great uh, for internal communication to kill email because I'm a big fan of killing email and useless emails. Uh, So we use Slack as a company. Love Slack. Love, love, mm -hmm. love it. So we had, um, when we were launching Superpoints, we had a Superpoints public channel so anyone could see what was happening in there. And then if you need to talk to only one member of the team, you can private message them. And so Slack has been amazing to kill really short emails. Um, so if, you're, if you need to ask someone one question and they're not in the office, Slack is so easy to use. And because we're a global company, uh, we have a lot of remote workers. So... Um, We have actually uh, an R&D team that's based in Dublin, Ireland. And so they have to be on Slack for some of our meetings. Or we use BlueJeans as a video conference software to have in-person, I put in quotations, meetings. (laughs) In in person. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone uses video, so it feels like you're in the same room, even though they're across the Atlantic. Very, very cool. Yeah, Slack has changed. Slack changes the game, I think, mm-hmm. for a lot of uh, uh, you know organizations that are looking to either do away with email or just streamline communications. I mean, how many times have have you been in an email chain that could have probably been answered in a chat format within minutes or seconds, whereas you misinterpret emails and they you know, the chains, you know, everyone is CC'd on it and then you don't even know who the original question was, was for. So yes, I highly recommend Slack. I will add a, a link to Slack in the show notes for those listening. Uh, go ahead. You had some more tips. I didn't want to cut you off there, but I thought it was a good question to ask you. Yeah. So you asked me for five tips. Okay. Number four. If you have six or seven, whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever you think is, is, uh, I'm good with five. <laughs> um, So because my role is to ensure that everyone's working well across all departments, another thing is to make sure that our copy and our creative, so just even the look and feel of a launch, is consistent across all departments. Um, So we had um, one project manager who was um, taking care of anything that talked about what is Kobo Superpoints, like why have we created this program where can you find out more? Where can you sign up for the VIP? So we had one project manager doing that. Um, and then uh, this kind of is an interesting segue, but we also launched a week after the loyalty program launched um, is a contest to kind of celebrate the loyalty program. So we launched Share the Love contest on October 12th, mm-hmm. um, and it's running until November 22nd. And this is this allows our customers and even non-customers to enter for a chance to win great prizes that include cash, e-readers, Kobo Super Points, and we even have a grand prize, um, once-in-a-lifetime travel experience for two, and you get to choose whether you want to go to Europe, South America, or French Polynesia. So it's uh-huh. pretty exciting. And that's with, now it's, is there a hashtag behind that, some sort of social campaign behind it? 
You know what? We're jumping on the hashtag share the love because that's already very integrated into social media. Mm-hmm. So although we talked about how we created hashtag read more, hashtag read everywhere, um, it's also important to jump on trends that already exist. And some companies are really good at it and others aren't as good. So when we looked at the hashtag share the love, it's people just sharing great stories and things that they love. So it's a great integration for us to get our consumers um, and even non-consumers, but just book lovers to share their love of reading. That's great. That's, that's fantastic. And um, let's see, did, I think that was five. No, that was yeah, four. So yeah, that was five. That was four, but it kind of, it, it's also five because um, when you jump on a hashtag in social, so mm-hmm. um, obviously companies that choose to play in like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram are able to use hashtags. So um, when we've created the contest, those are our three main platforms um, that Kobo uses. So we wanted to be able um, to, I don't want to say use our customers, but it's true. Marketing uses customers um, to share word of mouth. And so we wanted to be able to utilize consumers to help tell um, our story about this program through social media. So utilizing a hashtag was just one of the many ways. Um, And in terms of the actual context, we've built in questions every week. So you have to answer a question to be entered and then to earn extra entries, we ask you to share on Facebook or Twitter, um, which is just, you know, the easy way for consumers to then share the contest and us to increase our reach. There you go. So that, that's always the best way is to ask questions. And once you get them engaged, I mean, they're, they're going to, to share and whatnot uh, on their own, but that's, that's definitely the best way is to ask. I don't know why more brands don't ask questions to their audience and to their fans it's almost sometimes it's like it almost is so easy or it's just to me it's second nature it's one of those things like hey just ask questions ask them for (laughs) ask them for what they want ask them to share ask them anything to keep them engaged and i think a lot of brands drop the ball on that but that's amazing uh, that you guys are doing what um, i do um sorry to interrupt because i don't want to lose this thought but (laughs) i do wish marketers actually acted like entrepreneurs more often i'm listening to a bunch of podcasts right now in the entrepreneurial space where you have um, experts talking about, you know, you have to know your niche target audience and you have to know how to bring them value so that they are willing to then buy from you. So I like big brands and big companies need to think the exact same way. If we don't provide value to a consumer, then there's, you know, even if they want a book, there's so many options out there. Mm-hmm. So how do you just provide more value and then allow them to share that um, with their, you know, their friends and family so that it grows exponentially? Yeah. And, you know, it's, you brought up a really good point and you actually almost stated the mission for the brand boost podcast that I created, I set forth, which is really helping these larger brands understand that you need to act as if you were a startup. You know, what did you do when you were a startup? What did you do when you were nimble and you were able to have this, uh, you know, make changes in the marketing campaigns and actually just experiment. Now it seems like so many brands are, are tied to whatever structure that they've built and they don't want to move away from that. They're afraid of change or afraid of embracing new technologies or new ways to market, uh, even afraid of integrated marketing that uh, they kind of stay stale. And and so that's, it's great that you said that. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for bringing that up. But You're welcome. my, I guess 
wrapping up here, I, can you tell me what is Kobo doing anything different, new experimental social platforms that you guys are embracing? Mm-hmm. Well, for the longest time, um, we were only on Facebook and Twitter. So what was really important for us was um, to kind of look at different platforms and see how we could be active in them. So um, early on, it was Facebook and Twitter from the start. And then um, we moved into Pinterest uh, because there's a natural tendency there for people to create bookshelves and, um, you know, put what they want to read, what they've read um, on there. So outside of Goodreads, which is the the largest kind of social sharing platform for reading, um, Pinterest was there. So then we launched Pinterest. And then from there, we needed to watch and see um, how we could then, you know, kind of up our social game. So it was only this year that we actually created a second, um, sorry, we have two Twitter handles. We have at Kobo and then at Kobo Help, which is our customer service department. But then we also launched at Kobo Deals this year. And that came from marketing and our social PR team working together to say, um, sometimes the at Kobo you know, consumer doesn't want to hear about sales and promotions. But some of them do. So how do we provide that to them? So we created a separate, you know, handle at Kobo Deals. And if you want to learn what promotions are happening on a weekly basis, you can follow that account. And that way we're not um, appearing to be spammy in our other platforms. And on Facebook, we launched a tab that houses all of those tweets from the at Kobo Deals handle. So it was just a way for us to still market to our consumers Um, but not overly, you know, fire promotions at them because they may not want to or are interested. They may not want to hear about them or they're just not interested in that promotion because they may be a nonfiction reader and it's a romance promotion this weekend. So we've done that and that was just based on, you know, slowly expanding our social platform. And we only launched Instagram this year as well. And that was actually watching um, our consumers post covers from their e-reader, like what they're currently reading, um, or just interesting places that they're reading. So um, when we uh, created our first waterproof e-reader last year, waterproof. People, now that, yeah, yes. that's definitely something I, <laughs> I need. <laughs> so people were posting their e-reader on the beach or in the bathtub. Um, and so we saw that social sharing happening and then we decided to start playing in that area. So then we launched our Instagram account and then this year, um, we're owned by, um, a larger parent company and they own the app Viber as well. So Viber lets you send free messages, make free calls to any device, um, any network in any country. And so we created a public chat Uh, Viber has these public chats where people can either participate or just kind of watch. So we have one where uh, people can add it to their list and just follow the conversation. And then we call them, obviously, we call them our book lovers. But book lovers within the company share what they're reading and people can just find out about new books that way. So it's a social discovery platform for us right now but we're testing it in unique ways. So on October 7th, we did uh, an author chat with one of our self-published authors to see if that was of interest. So we're looking over the stats now, um, and we've got something exciting coming up for Halloween where we may actually have an author write a full novel within, or a short story, sorry, not a novel, within (laughs) the 
within the platform and people can watch this author actually write as they go. Wow. So um, we're testing this right now because it's a, an interesting platform that not many people are using. And because we're a global e-reading service and the majority of our market um, is in Asia and Europe, and um, also we have a large presence in uh, South America, uh, it's important for us to use platforms that are actually used by these countries um, and not just be North American based. Yeah, so you're really thinking, I mean, really, really thinking outside of, you know, where your your headquarters, that, that's amazing. I, I'm, I, I'm sure most people haven't heard of Viber. I will add links to Viber in the show notes for sure. Uh, and you guys can check that out. Um, all right. I have to ask you this question because because I do. You were talking about books, so I need to know. Mm. I need to know what's your favorite book right now, your favorite book of all time, and your favorite nonfiction or how-to, and then your favorite fiction book. Okay. So um, my favorite book of all time um, is Let's Pretend This Never Happened by Jenny Lawson, who is also known as the bloggess on social media. And... Why I'm choosing that book, there's other books that I love, but this book was the first book that made me laugh out loud on the subway while going to work. (laughs) And I just think there's such a power in that. And she is also an author that embraces her uniqueness and is proud of it and is helping others um, live with mental mental illness and anxiety disorders in a really positive way. So I love her. And she just uh, came out with a second book. I just finished reading it on the weekend called Furiously Happy. And she's in our office tomorrow. We film something called Kobo and Conversation in their author chats that we share on YouTube. So I am so excited to see her in person. So I'm fangirling. Um, I'm having a fangirl moment uh, That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. So, uh, so that's my favorite book of all time. My favorite self-development or nonfiction book outside of the business world is um, The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin. Mm-hmm. And um, she that book was instrumental in uh, my personal journey and my, I guess, my happiness journey, as I call it. Um, so I love that. What was the third book you wanted? Your favorite just fiction. Uh, fiction. Novel. Any, anything, anything non Anything, I was going to say anything nonfiction, but that doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> Any fictional I love, book. I love the Gillian Flynn series. Gone oh. Girl was amazing. Okay. Um, and again, much better than the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also like, um, and I'm going to forget her name. I want to say, um, I think it's Lisa. Oh, see, this is what happens when you read too many books. <laughs> Let's see if I can you know, fast search on Kobo.com. Um, Kobo.com just for everyone listening it's Kobo.com go go buy books right now that was totally a plug for our website Um, but it's it's an author Lisa O'Brien I think Mm -hmm. or no Lisa Genova and she writes books based on the brain and um, her her first book was about um, early the early onset of Alzheimer's. It's called Still Alice. Mm -hmm. And then she had a second book called Left Neglected. Um, And it was about a career woman who is struck with this left brain disease. And again, changed her life. So um, just amazing novels. Those books have 
pulled me in. I'll, you know, I'll read them in one weekend, cry my eyes out and just be so thankful for the life that I have and aware of what is out there and what people are living with. Um, so I absolutely love her as a fiction author. That sounds, I'm adding that those sound really good. Um, those actually have personal impact. So that's, um, and still Alice is also a movie right now. Okay. (laughs) Well, I'll sure. read the book first. Yes, as we've discussed. As we like to, as we like to say, read the book, forget the movies. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I appreciate your time today, but I know that you do a little bit more outside of Kobo. So, really quickly and briefly, just tell the audience uh, about Alpha Female, about some of your other projects, which are very, very cool, and um, yeah, just tell us, just tell us a little bit about you outside of outside of that uh your position at Kobo sure so I call myself an alpha female which is in its easiest definition someone who strives for a happy and healthy work-life harmony so I created a blog just robinbaldwin.com in 2009 uh, to kind of document um, my life as I started two careers as a uh, as a fitness and lifestyle blogger and in my career through advertising and now in marketing with Kobo, I wanted to show the world that it is possible to have, I don't want to say work-life balance, I've renamed it work-life harmony um, because it's true, there isn't really a balance. You have to choose what to focus on and really figure out priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the back of my mind, I ensure that anything that I'm tackling makes me healthy and happy. So if any of those things um, are falling by the wayside, then I know the harmony of my work and my life are out of balance and I fix it. Um, so I embrace fitness. I embrace healthy nutrition. I embrace um, happiness through adventure and tackling passions um, and having an amazing career at the same time and um, just staying as organized as possible so that stress never takes too much of a hold in my life. That's amazing. And I recommend anybody listening to check out robinbaldwin.com, R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-L-D-W-I-N. And uh, just check out some of the amazing things that Robin's done because you'll you'll find that, you know, beyond what we do as a vocation, there's there's more to a lot of people. So I want you to take that action and, and check out Robin at robinbaldwin.com. Honestly, I, I'm so grateful to have you on and, and uh, I really do appreciate your time today, Robin. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Wow. Absolutely amazing interview with Robin. And the tips were incredible. Just things from, you know, having a schedule and copy consistency along with, uh, you know, integrating your social with everything else, all other aspects of marketing, but even within the organization uh, are great, great tips for anybody uh, to implement right away into their own uh, business or brand. All the links are in the show notes, so please uh, check out Robin and Kobo.com. I also ask you to head over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating. Uh, that's what really helps power the show. And without further ado, I want to do today's Italian lesson, and we're going to focus on reading because. Well, we should be reading after listening to Robin talk about how great books are. And so today's phrase, Italian phrase, is Voglio leggere libri. What does it mean? 
I want to read books. Voglio leggere libri. Again, the translation will be in the show notes. I ask you to tweet it right at Robin, at Robin Baldwin, R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-L-D-W-I-N, and tweet it to her in Italian so she has to respond and ask you what it means, and then you can tell her you heard it on the Brand Boost podcast. Ciao. This has been a VincenzoLandino.com production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Brand Boost podcast, please give us a rating, write a review, or subscribe. Head on over to brandboostcast.com forward slash subscribe.